Hey guys, welcome to The Bottom Half is Red. I'm your host, Baron Longstrath, and I am excited to bring to you a show that is going to give you some thought-provoking discussions. It's going to give you some expert insights to both encourage and some practical steps for how to build an organization that can more effectively introduce the world to Jesus Christ. So what is the bottom half is red? It's all about building a culture of excellence. It's about growing your unique and creative identity. And it's about carrying out the will of God at any cost. So you're gonna see that through practical teaching tips, developing a culture of giving, creating branding and marketing, or even methods to help guests feel safe and welcomed. This podcast is gonna have you covered. But before we dive into today's episode, I wanna take just a moment and extend a special invitation to all of our dedicated listeners. If you're looking to get even more involved in our community and gain some access to some behind the scenes stuff, become a Patreon supporter. And you can find that link in the episode description or even on Patreon, just visit the bottom half is red. Listen, we can't wait to welcome you on board and to share this exciting journey. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, welcome back to the bottom half is red. And David and I, the executive producer of the show, we're talking about the final episode of season one. And this, I would say, is the grand finale. This is the grand finale, not just because of content, but because of our guest today is a one of a kind leader. I'm going to introduce him as Dr. Dr. Eric Monsabias. We're so glad to have you on the bottom half is red. Welcome to the show, my friend. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Excited to be here. We're excited to have him on here. Eric is a leader's leader. He is the kind of leader that every leader wants by their side. I would say that I have some real world experience with this because you served here at the church today. A little bit of a backstory here. In eight years, Eric and Bethany moved here due to kind of that schooling opportunity that you had, if I'm correct. So he moved from a smaller town into uh, the city of Tulsa. And then from here, he has now moved into the Bloomington, Indiana area and works in a church there and is doing a fantastic work. But from our church, he came in, of course, overwhelmed due to his schooling, but that did not stop him from seeing our present culture and engaging in our present culture here at the church today and making TCT, its culture, its leaders, its systems and processes, a completely reformed TCT. And um, he was a right hand to me and the church today. And I feel like that if all of the leaders came on the podcast today, everybody would say Eric was their right hand. And that's the way that Eric was. And so was his wife, their family. We love them greatly. But it's not just because he served here at the church today or because of the level of education that Eric has. It's because of the passion and the persistence and the push that we want him on this podcast today. He is going to talk about something that I feel like is going to be a great benefit out there 
to top tier leaders. And so when we thought about who we could bring on the show and how we could connect them to this subject matter, Eric was the first one that came to our mind. And so we're going to release you, Eric. We're throwing the gates open. Eric is a thoroughbred when it comes to this kind of content and we want him just to go. So Eric, I am gonna, I'm gonna lob some questions in your direction. Okay. If you are a top tier leader in in terms of whether that's ministry, organizationally, you're going to want to hear what Eric has to say about a team-based model and the benefits of creating a structure around team-based model. So Eric, without further ado, what is a team-based model? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um... First off, I'll say th- thank you so much. Um, mm-hmm. Such a kind, kind introduction. Um, can't say enough about all the years that we spent at the church today um, and having the opportunity to be able to serve under your leadership. Really, that's what took me to, I, I feel like, to the next level in my leadership was being able to be under someone like, like you and, of course, Pastor Raina, um, who always kept me in line. Um, <laughs> just honored. Um, can't say enough about the church today. Love everyone there so much and all your leadership team. It's not, we haven't been gone too long, but we sorely miss it, but excited about everything that God's going to continue to do in the future for the church today. Well, we miss you too, bro. We really do. So kind of on the topic of team-based model um, and what that means, really when we're talking about a, a team-based model, we're just talking about the way that the ministries within the church operate. And the main thing is we're using this certain verbiage and language to kind of make sure that those ministries are functioning, not just as like individual components or not just as like, you know, one person kind of running the show on those ministries, but rather looking to see each and every ministry within the church functioning as a team. The verbiage kind of plays well with people because they understand what a team means. Many people grew up playing on a, a basketball team, a baseball team, or some other form, maybe even the chess team. I don't know. So they understand kind of what it means to be a part of a team. And at the center of, of any team really is a, a mission or a goal or something they're aiming for. And I think when it when it comes to the church, the church as well has a mission. It has a, a vision. Each in it, We have a general commission that God has given us, but each church kind of takes that and puts it in that that mission and their verbiage and and their ways that they want to reach their community. So then the team can take on that mission, that vision, and work together um, to accomplish it. And I kind of I often kind of think about it in terms of like you know maybe like an NBA team. You have all these like really talented players. Um, they're like top notch, and then you often have a coach who is paired with them. And that coach isn't there, you know, just to like keep his thumb on them and to tell them every step of the way what to do or how to do it. But rather the coach is really there to grow them and to help them accomplish what they want to. I mean, what they need to, to make the mission, which often on a, that kind of team is to win. The church is a little bit different mission that we have. So you're giving the basic definition of a team-based model, which, I mean, the name kind of describes exactly what we're dealing with here. But to give context, would you contrast a team-based model with other models that a church might operate in? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of people probably operate within that that team-based model. Um, they may just not have the verbiage um, to be able to make it the most efficient form. The other way you would look at it, you know, is more of just 
individuals running their own individual ministry. Um, so it's not a lot of teamwork that's involved and it's really maybe one person who's kind of saying you do this, you do this, um, or they may even be working by themselves Mm. and trying to make a a ministry work, which is really, you know, it's very inefficient and it doesn't kind of give you the engagement and doesn't allow you to equip the next generation of leaders as well as you could in in other ways. So, Okay, there's like a there's a flat model base out there. If I remember correctly, early on in our description here at the church today, we kind of used this verbiage for a while and then discovered that our church probably was better defined in terms of a team-based model. So, as as far back as I can remember, I mean, obviously when you are operating with seven people, which is where our church began, <laughs> you you're very hierarchical. You know, because yeah. you're making all the decisions. It's it's all top down. Everything's flowing from the top down, top down, top down. You, one person or one family or one unit is operating everything together. Like Ray and I, we're making all the decisions. We got our hands and everything. So basically, we're micromanaging every part of you know the system of the church today, trying to build it. But as we yeah. begin to grow, I think our leadership style played into this formation of teams. We didn't have that definitive definition Like, hey, we are operating in a team-based model. But give us some differences, if you can, in terms of how a team-based model works in that flow versus let's just compare it to a very hierarchical model. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of what that has to do with is really kind of how decisions are made. Okay. So you can look at it when you're looking at a team-based model and you're kind of understanding how the decisions are going to be made. Those can be made in more of a decentralized format where really all the decisions are not coming down from the top, but rather they're being made on that ground level um, where the problems are. Yeah, then that's good. That's really good. Talk about that for a second, because you, you have some real world experience with, with that here at the church today. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at a hierarchical model, usually the decisions that are made are either at that top position, if we're talking about a church, really at that lead pastor position, or they may be at that executive level position. And essentially what's happening a lot of times in that model is that, you know, the decisions are being made and then those are being dictated to those people that are kind of lower down on that model. When you look at kind of a a flatter model, with decentralized decision-making, which is really what the, the team-based model lends itself to. You could still have a hierarchical model or a flat model with a team-based component, but ultimately I think the team-based model really lends itself more to a flatter, more decentralized decision-making model. And what that essentially just means is that rather than all those decisions coming down from the top, what we try to utilize is we develop team leaders who can begin to take on those decisions. And then the team leader begins to develop team members Mm -hmm. who can take on those decisions. So the idea is that ultimately you want to get as close as you possibly can to the problem. So when it's occurring and how it's occurring and have leaders equipped at that level to say, okay, here's how we handle this. That's really good. So vision is extremely important to communicate over and over you have to be very redundant in a team-based model because everybody has to be pushing towards the same goal right that's essentially what we're trying to do all teams are pushing towards the same goal so vision has to be 
filter down the leader of that team yep. has to know where they're going why they're going and i think that lends us to this next question doctor if we would choose that why should we or why would we choose a team-based model over other models yeah and i think and if we talked about that some i think one of the biggest things is like you know it's going to it's going to be more efficient yeah. for you for one so when we're looking at you know at a church especially we only have a limited amount of resources and the pastor who usually is is kind of at that that top end of things and taking on the most issues that are coming at him he only has so much time um, even your executive leaders they only have so much time so much bandwidth so if you have this hierarchical model where most of the decisions come from them that that takes up a lot of the time and energy that they really need to be utilizing to prepare messages to lead spiritually, to be a, a culture bearer for the for the um, organization, and really just to be engaged with the people and loving people. So if they're making decisions about you know what the maintenance team is going to do or how the cleaning schedule is going to go, it, it really binds up them where they they can't go to that full potential. So what you do is when you actually create this uh, more decentralized decision making model through a team based platform, what you can do is you can take off a lot of that decision fatigue from your lead pastor and or your other executive leaders who may be more involved in ministerial outreach and programs like that. You can take that off of them and really distribute it more evenly across um, your organization, which ultimately leaves everybody less fatigued mm. and makes people you know, more engaged in what they're doing because they don't feel like it's all weighed on them. So can I ask you to expound because I'm really, I'm really, really interested for our audience to hear some different perspective on decision fatigue. I can't tell the audience how many times we have sat in an executive meeting and that was a, a, a vital part of the discussion is how much fatigue that I my wife or another executive leader in the church had and how we could ensure that we weren't going to keep continuing that process. And so when we're dealing with these, we as leaders have to learn how to trust them. Yeah. Eric, really, I want you to talk, talk to us all about the difference you saw when you saw me letting go. Like yeah. difference from your perspective. Absolutely. How that when I let you begin to really make the decisions that you should have been making and I let go or Ray let go, what really took place from a leader of a team, right? Executive position. What, what was the benefit of that when I started taking my hands off things and letting you be that, that team-based leader that you should have been? That, that was that was an interesting time um, in the church. I remember, you know, when we were first kind of bouncing this around and, and trying to figure out what it would look like, um, what it should look like. I remember, you know, I was I was looking at tons of books and resources. I didn't feel like there's as many church specific resources at the time. So it was a lot of business world resources I was looking at. And I was like, well, what what can we do? Because at that point, I remember when we first had this discussion, the church was growing. And what I would see a lot of times was just people coming to you, coming to you, coming to you. Right. And it was like constant. I remember just watching that. Um, that was like back when we were in the, in the older building. And I just remember 
like kind of seeing them every time after service, you know, somebody's walking up there, here's their problem, here's what they need for their solution. And I think that's where it first began when we started looking at this, like, how can we make a change? What can we do to make this thing better? And I remember we worked through the process and you were kind of right there along beside me, encouraging me along the way as I'm thinking through it and bouncing those ideas off you. And I think when we actually begin to implement it, what I began to see was that not only did we see a reduction in the questions and the nuances that were lobbed your way, but also what I think was really important was I began to see other leaders developing mm. at a quicker and better rate. I saw you know, our different ministries, the leaders that were organizing those, they were running those teams. I began to see them become more confident in who they were and in the decisions that they were making. And I, that's really just what, that's kind of the natural process that takes place when you give people, you're not, you're not giving them tasks, but rather what you're doing is you're de- delegating authority to them. Right. And so as you begin to develop authority to people, people begin to grow. And then what happens as a result of that is you begin to see coming behind them new leaders that begin to emerge and develop and grow. And before I left TCT, I actually had the privilege of seeing some of our ones that when I first got there, they were kids. Right. They became teenagers who were were learning under our, our youth team ministries, our student ministries there. And then by the time I left, when we moved after I graduated residency, I actually saw some of them in leadership positions and they're just beginning to like fill out who they were and how to do things. And it's a powerful thing to see. And there's a lot of risk involved there. Yes. You build momentum from a you know, a lead pastor position or a leader's position, you build a lot of momentum and then you have to, because there is a certain amount of, you know, real estate that we all have mental, emotional, physical, and we top out. And there's only so much that one person is able to give. And so the trust factor of saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to pass baton. Here's how I want it. Clearly communicate that. The benefit of a team base is that that person has the ability to take what you have, your vision as it's passed down, build a team around them and saying, here's the rally point. Here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. And I have to sit back where a leader has to sit back and be able now to guide them and put some margin around them and say, listen, you know, here's what we want here. And so now it's about corrective and, you know, trying to keep them in line uh, with the values of the organization, the mission of the organization, the direction as the vision is played out. So yeah, there's risk involved, but like you just said, standing back here, the individual that that was able now to step into the executive pastor position was one that was trained up underneath the church today's leadership as a child. I mean, 16 years old and now nearly 30 years old has a, has a child and and very successful and uh, doing a fantastic job and is going to be a future guest here on the bottom half is red. So yes, there is a risk factor, but the gain or the benefit of that is what you just said is giving them the opportunity to be trusted in and letting them develop. And Eric, I, I appreciate that point because I'm a top tier leader at the church today. And within this organization, sometimes it's difficult. I see what I see. And sometimes I only see what I want to see. Yeah. Sometimes hard to let that go. <laughs> it's hard to let that go. But hearing something from, uh, you know, from your perspective, and I think you're probably more kind than you should be about 
my personal leadership, but it was you driving this concept. And I, I remember the, and I don't think you ever were like openly frustrated, but I can probably <laughs> take us back to conversations where there was frustrations because there wasn't a certain amount or a definitive amount of clarity, like what does this really look like? And the hardest thing I think that we had to establish was really what does this position look like? If we're going to rally yeah, something, absolutely. you remember those times? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I love that. Um, well, Rodney Shaw, there's a book called Church Works, fantastic. But in that book, if I remember correctly, there's three different ways that you deal with development or delegation. One of them is called, mm -hmm. you just dump some projects on somebody, <laughs> right? And so there's not a lot of like delegated authority. You're just giving them tasks, right? The other one, you're taking it to another level. And that's what you described as that's a delegation. So you give them some delegated yeah. authority and now they're able to operate. And a lot of times we stop there. But the, the great thing about a team-based model is it moves into this third element that he talks about, and that is the developmental stage. And so you give them room to make mistakes, but the, yeah, the main goal so is you really developing them. It's not just giving them tasks and giving them a little amount of authority, you really are developing them for future use. And yes, yeah. present is fantastic, but thank God that there were people like yourself and other people within our local organization that has helped develop people that has initially taken your place as you moved into a different realm of life and ministry. So I love the team-based model. I think there are certain things that we got to look for in a team-based model. And so talk to us about factors that we should be aware of when we're choosing a team-based model? Like, yeah, what are some struggles, some dangers? I think you, you already hit on some of that because ultimately, you know, we have the church who has established this mission, this vision, our values, our culture. And then you're saying a lot of that's established within this, the senior leader. So mm. yourself or those senior leaders that are around you, that's the hallmark, you know, that's the mold right there. The goal then is, you know, to replicate that mm. in the next generation of leaders, not in the sense of, you know, you want them to be carbon copies, but that they're still taking that, that core, those core values, those, um, the culture that we developed and the mission that God has given you. And then they're utilizing that in their decision-making and in the way that they lead teams and the way that they participate in teams. But it's hard, right? Cause then the goal then is, you know, you, you can't just say like, okay, go do this. Rather, you have to say, here is how the church today operates. Yeah. Here is who the church today is. Here's what we believe. Here's what we're passionate about. Here, here is who we are. And within that parameters, I want you to work. But you can't just tell them one time. It has to be like over and over and over. I remember when I was at the church today, I was always like, hey, guys, what's the mission of the church today? Right. Um, like, what is the mission? And every meet, almost every meeting I could, I'd be like, what is the mission? To just get that point across that, whatever we're doing and how we're doing it, it's great, but ultimately it has to tie back into that mission. Yeah. So when you go to this team-based model and this decentralized decision-making, you have to constantly be checking that mission with your team and your team leaders. And Eric, I'll be the audience for a second, listening to this podcast in my own vehicle and I'll speak aloud and I'll say something along the lines of, you know, real world example for me, if I was listening to a podcast like this, I would say, you know, 
the team-based model is a fantastic concept, but let's talk about my inability to be able to operate within like a group think. So for instance, I am a team leader or a ministry leader, and I have a committee that has been chosen for me or I've chosen myself. And within that now we're we're talking about the 2024 calendar year and now I have to submit my calendar and my budget and the whole concept to the executive team or the past or however that's structured in a local congregation. And so we meet and, and I, I'm taking us basically back to some of our meetings and we meet and here it is. And all of a sudden, by the time I leave and I'm just hypothetically talking, by the time I leave, I feel like that the group think, you know, we get everybody together. Um, yeah. yeah, we got everything lined out, but I, I leave a little frustrated because it's not what I thought or how I thought the vision should go. Right. So can you talk about a little bit of the dangers of like that team-based model in terms of violation of vision and yeah, the mission's there, but uh, I think we've all been in those meetings too, where we're like, you know, we had an idea going into it of how we wanted it to be. And then sometimes we come out of those meetings and it's not what we pictured. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Sometimes yeah. you're looking at it and you're like, I don't think this is going to like, it's not going to be any good. It's not going to work. Um, it may not even fully line up with who we are as a church. Um, and then there's other times where you have the opposite. You're like, man, that's way better than I could ever come up with. I think in those moments, the there are, there is some burden on the team leader to say, maybe this is not quite what we want, what we need in this moment. And that doesn't mean you're like, you know, you're telling everybody in the group, like, hey, your opinion doesn't matter. It's not worth anything. Rather, usually what we probably do in those moments is bring it back to the group and say, hey, so we came up with some ideas and some concepts and some ways to do it. But looking at who we are as a church and looking at where we are currently as a church and where our mission is driving us in this moment, these ideas are good, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to work in this moment. Mm. And then you kind of go back to the drawing board and come up again with something. It doesn't have to be what you envisioned because what you envisioned may not be correct either. But if you're working with your team and you're praying with your team and you're going back to the drawing board and you're saying, God, you know, direct where we really need to be in this moment. And where when I bring it to pastor, he's going to see the alignment um, with the mission and the vision that God has given him. I think you'll probably come up with a better product. So I think it's time. I think there are times when you can scratch what you came up with as a team and come back to the drawing board. This, I mean, people do this all the time in sports. Like there's a great play, but they're like, uh, looking at the film for next week, that play is not going to work. So we got to go back to the drawing board and come up with something a little more, um, a little different or more unique. I really like that. I like the concepts of being able to say, okay, A, what is in a church model, it has to be what does the Lord want? Right? Yeah. What is the Spirit saying to the church? So this is the direction. Anything that doesn't violate that direction, that group think kind of concept, if it enhances that direction, I think it's great. If it takes away from that, then I think it, we, we, we're going to have to be strong enough as a team leader, not even necessarily at the top, but if I'm serving as a ministry leader and I have yeah. a team around me, whatever, I'm going to have to be able to say, okay, that's fantastic. But we say this a lot of times at the church today, every great idea is not necessarily a God idea. And we're going to have yeah. to be able to have a, some sort of a filter to be able to say, okay, this is a violation of, or this enhances. And so essentially, 
really that is your that is the top tier leader's responsibility to train yep. train that into every team leader and say, listen, this this is what we're striving for. This is where we're going. Make sure that you're sensitive to the leading of the spirit. And and then here's the overall mission, like you said earlier, which I thought was a fantastic point. Yeah, there's definitely some challenges in all this, but I think the benefit of a team-based model, it's proven over time. There's a lot of development in a team-based model. And if a, if a key leader is not afraid of building leaders around them and he's not insecure, she's not insecure about having people rise up, there are a lot of people on my team that are more talented, that are more educated, that are or could be even more potentially qualified in terms of giftings to deal with situations. But the key within a church structure is calling, right? Yeah, And so if I'm secure in the calling that I have and I'm doing my due diligence, then I am not going to operate from a chair of insecurity. And as Eric's level of of influence grows stronger at the church today, that kind of concept, I'm not going to pull the reins tighter because I'm afraid of people following or whatever, or him having more. No, it's not it. It's it's that releasing and understanding that as we cooperate together and everybody has their own you know measure of responsibilities, this thing really works. And so the key is a leader needs to be assured of his own calling, his own authority, and we're yeah. talking about in the church setting. So close this out, Eric, and there's a couple of questions here, but I'm going to focus on one of them. Okay. There might be a leader out there that's saying, all right, all this stuff about team-based what is the beginning of implementing a team-based model within my local church or ministry or so on? How do we start it, Eric? I think the biggest thing with that, it probably is to look at where you currently are. A lot of my um, training has been like, you know, scientific. So usually what you do anytime you're getting ready to do some research um, and you're planning to make a change is figure out like, what exactly do we have going on right now? Mm. So if you can write down every leader you have, every ministry you have, every department that you you have going on. And then first off is begin to look at that and then ask yourself, how are all of those ministries, department and leaders interacting together? Try to make sense of what's going on. Because a lot of times what happens is we add, 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 add. And then it's like, we got a bunch of stuff. And we're like, but how does it all really tie in together? Once you see what's on the paper, you can begin to look at your mission and say, how do these things align up with our mission? Hmm. So before you ever start putting them into teams, you want to say, what are we doing now? How is it addressing the mission that God has given us? And where are we going from there? Like, what is the vision that's carrying us forward? And I think when you when you look at it that way, you can begin to say, I don't know that we necessarily need this department or this team or this event. So what you can begin to do is you begin to consolidate. And when you can consolidate, you find out like what is the most important things that we're doing, whether that's student ministry, kids ministry, um, whether it's a small groups ministry, and you begin to see those. And then you can say, okay, those are the teams that we want to create. Mm. And then you begin begin to look at your leaders and say, who do we want leading that team? You be, and you can begin to align those together so that you're not just, you know, trying to take what you already have in existence and throw it into these teams, but rather you're looking at it freshly and saying, okay, here's what we do. We get back on the mission, we consolidate, and then we begin to segment out into teams 
and we put the right leaders over the right team. And really what you want in that is you want leaders who are going to have a servant's heart. They're going to lead like Jesus led as a servant. So that means that they're not going to want to just create um, their own platform or their own elevation, but rather they're, they're there on mission to fulfill the mission that God has given the church. You want that because you got to replicate those leaders. And like you were talking about earlier, what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing leaders that rise up and they're going to look smarter. They're going to look more talented. They're going to look like they could do a better job. And if you have an insecure, non-servant leader in that position, they're going to stifle that. Mm. So what you want is you want a leader who's going to say, no, 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 I want to elevate that. And I want to surround myself with that because not only is that going to make them a better leader within that model, but also it's going to create the, make the entire team better. And as each team gets better, the team as a whole, and I guess I probably should have said this in the beginning, but ultimately it's not just a bunch of individual teams that we have going on in the church. So I will, I will say one thing that is really important when we look at the team-based model is understanding that, especially within a church, that it's not really just a bunch of individual teams that are out there, but rather all those teams are part of a larger team that is the church, that has the mission, that has the vision that God has given. I kind of think of it in, in terms of like an NFL team. So NFL, you have whatever your team is. I'm in Indiana now, so Indianapolis Colts, or if you're pastor, you know, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and maybe, you're, maybe your team going there. But there's one team, they have a mission, their goal is to win. But composed within that team, um, it's kind of broken down into smaller teams. Yeah. So say like your special teams, your offense, your defense, maybe your quarterbacks, like they're broken down. But the mission, the vision, the goal that they're aiming for is not separate. It is it is the one and the same. And that's probably one of the biggest things to keep in mind with the church is that we're not trying to create this one team that's going to you know do what it wants, however it wants. And turn into an empire, but rather we're always aligning with is the team, is the student ministry um, aligning with the mission of the church? Is the, what we call like our guest services at the church today, um, is that aligning with the mission of the church? Yeah, that's right. Is our music team aligning with the ministry of the church? Um, if you get that wrong, you, the whole team-based model will, will be messed up. You'll yeah. create silos and it'll just become about somebody else's show. Um, we always got to go back to what the mission is, what God gave us as a church. And I think that's that's probably the main thing is just keeping the mission, the vision, where we're going, how we're going to get there, what is required, what are responsibilities. And that is the leader's responsibility to do. He steps yes. in and he governs all that, essentially eliminating a lot of that, we'll call that superficial leadership, um, those decision-making things. Eric, thank you so much for being a part of this show Uh, I know that this has added an extreme amount of value personally to me. I know to our audience. Again, bro, you're just awesome. We love you so Uh, much. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us on The Bottom Half is Red. Uh, Listen, I hope you have enjoyed your time with us today and gained something of value. If you love what you heard today, please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. This helps us. Your feedback is incredibly crucial and we want to improve on what we're doing and to bring you the best content possible. You can find us on Facebook, look us up, Instagram, 
Even YouTube at the bottom half is red. Hey, be sure to check the episode description for any links to any resources that we have mentioned during the show. You don't want to miss out. This podcast is a production of The Church Today here in the great city of Tulsa, and the executive producer is our very own David Tandra. I hope you've had a fantastic time, and we look forward to having you with us again on our next episode of The Bottom Half is Red. We'll see you then. Thank you.